0: Hey West Village Church, friends who are checking us out uh, online today. My name is Matt and thank you for joining us. Our church has four core values that we like to use to drive the mission of Jesus forward in our city. And they are gather, go, give, and grow. Uh, Today we'll be looking at gather, what it means to gather, what it means to be a family, And interestingly enough, we're online. Uh, We're not gathering in the same room. Maybe you're with some people around you. Um, I'm by myself in this beautiful uh, (laughs) dock on the lake. But uh, I am out of the house, and uh, I was starting to forget that I actually had outside clothes. Uh, I don't get to wear these very often. I haven't left souk much in the last uh, few months. So it kind of feels like I'm playing dress-up. Dad got to get out of the house. It's been really great being able to get together in our hubs the last few weeks. And honestly, for me as an extrovert, um, any amount of getting together with other people has been a real treat over the last few months. They've been few and far between. Um, being an extrovert, it's, it's been a pretty tough pill to swallow, this whole social distancing thing. But I'm hearing that even the introverts are starting to get sick of themselves. So I guess it's tough on everybody. But for the few times that I have had a chance to get out, uh, my wife sent me grocery shopping. I've had to go pick up something from the store. I have sensed uh, a lot of awkwardness. I don't know if you've, you've found this yourself, but there seems to be a lot of fear, uh, a lot of worry, standoffishness. Even uh, with one another, people sidling and sliding past each other and just in general being territorial with their space. Um, it's been awkward. It it hasn't been easy. And there's a reason for that. Uh, Jesus didn't make us to be people who thrive in isolation. We were never meant to be alone. We were never meant to do lives, do our lives on our own. Um, We're supposed to be gathering with other people. We're supposed to be able to be comfortable in the same space and not just trying to avoid each other. And. It's been one of the toughest things for me uh, this season. And maybe maybe you're a little different than me. I, I know there are people who feel like they've been able to be way more productive without other people in their lives. It's certainly more challenging when we have to do tasks with other people. No matter how much we might really enjoy spending time alone, whenever we can get it. Parents with young kids, can I get an amen? Uh, no matter how productive it is, It's just not what we're meant to be doing, is is trying to thrive all by ourselves. We're meant to be living lives that are interconnected and meaningfully being lived with one another as a family. Uh, When I first moved to Souk back in March, it was actually the last day of February, I had a U-Haul truck all filled up, jammed to the rim. I know there are people out there who have been there before. Uh, every crevice packed with all my stuff, everything that I think is so valuable to me and my family, and, and yet uh, surely tons of junk within there, and a trailer carrying a car on the back, pulling up onto a street that I didn't really know. Uh, God provided a pra- place for my family to rent across the street from uh, the lot that we were to build our house on, some of you might have heard that story. It was on the on the website. And we rented a, a place sight unseen. I didn't know anything about the house. I just tried to thread the needle pulling that thing into my driveway. And by the time the, the ramp hit the driveway, there were no less than 12 people surrounding that thing and just carrying just line after line of, of people carrying boxes uh, to designated rooms um, as we tried to work out who was going to be living in what room. Um, and these are people who, who came out on a Saturday. You know, they say that a true friend is someone who helps you move a couch. Uh, but what about moving the, the household items of an entire family's junk? That's a church baby. Uh, these are beautiful people, beautiful souls to us, a picture of a, of a family showing up when we needed help. And many of those people, I think, came that day in response to Jesus' command to to love one another, to to love and to step up and help people who were in need. And there were a bunch of people who probably didn't want to be there that day either, but this picture of a family showing up um, when we were in need the mundane tasks, the day-to-day, week-in, week-out tasks, the small things, the inconveniences of things that need to get done. And the soup community group were people who did that for us that day. Somebody had even bought a a stuffy for my daughter so that when she showed up and and was able to join me in our home, she would have something uh, new as a gift to enjoy. And someone else organized dinner had pizza showing up and drinks and plates and napkins. I'm a guy, I'm a husband. There's no way I was going to think of all that kind of stuff. And these guys provided and they, they stepped up in a big way. And I'll never forget that because these are people who, who blessed us and helped us uh, in, a, in a time of need. And this is the way that Jesus designed it right from creation. We see in the Garden of Eden, right as as Jesus breathes breath into Adam's lungs, it 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 was beautiful. He was made in the image of God, but it wasn't yet perfect because Adam was alone and he wasn't meant to be alone. Adam still didn't have a partner. He didn't have community. And so what did Jesus gift Adam with? He gifted him with a friend. He gifted him with community of his own. Exactly. Perfectly in reflection of the image of God because we serve a a triune God. And the Bible says that our God is a father, son, and spirit. Three in one, living in perfect community, uh, in perfect love within himself. And so as Adam has his friend in the garden, someone to live with, he has community and he has the opportunity to reflect the perfect image of God. And that is just who our God is. And that's the identity of who he is. The identity of West Village Church is, is, is something unique in and of itself as well. During my, my very first service that I attended a few months back, I, I think it was, I would guess at least 27 times that I was corrected by different people for uh, calling what happened on Sunday as we gathered the church service. And everybody was, was telling me it's the gathering. It's not the church service. And I was pretty sure, as people kept saying, gathering, gathering, it's the gathering that uh, I had signed up to some kind of a cult. But, uh, you know, the people seemed pretty cool. And so I stuck with it, I got to know a few uh, few people. And I realized that there's a, a reason why we have language that we use to define things that are really important to us and why we correct people uh, and why it's such a an intricate part of the vision of the church is because the church is not a place. The church is a people. It's the people of God who gather regularly to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, to serve him in his city, to do the things that he wants us to do. But it, it got me thinking, why? Why do we do that? Why do we gather? Why, why were we, meet, we meeting as a, a large church, uh, Gathering in a movie theater? Why do we meet in community groups throughout the week? Why do we try and cluster people together? Is there a purpose to it? Is there a point to all of that? Uh, I I don't know what you found during this COVID season, but maybe you're a better person than me. Uh, Maybe things have gone a little differently for you. You found that you've been far more uh, generous with your time. You've been uh, accomplishing more in the world than you were able to accomplish before. Uh, when you had maybe a normal nine-to-five, a normal rhythm with other people in your life. Uh, But it hasn't been that way for me, and I suspect it hasn't been that way for for a number of people, because uh, (laughs) we have a tendency to go wayward and to turn inward and to live selfishly. My, My wife and I were building a house for our family during this season, and I could be straight up with you that I have been incredibly selfish and have taken uh, extra time to try and get ahead with my family, but I've been convicted time and time again as, uh, as neighbors have come by and I haven't really had time for them or as the community group has, has met in different ways and, and, and I had something scheduled that I had to be there for. Uh, I can realize that Jesus doesn't want us to get ahead. He wants us to get together because it's as we gather, uh, we get to see our purpose as a family. We're going to dive into that a little bit more. But there's strength in numbers, there's strength in community, and there's strength when we gather in Jesus' name. And I might be wrong, but I I believe that everybody truly wants to belong. Everybody wants to belong to something that they feel they can have a place in and have identity with. Um, I think there's a reason why people succumb to peer pressure Time and time again to do things that are regrettable. Uh, how many of you have done or said something that you wish you hadn't because you just really wanted to be a part of a group of people who thought you were cool or liked you or uh, were willing to invite you to their dinner parties? Uh, it's not just a high school problem. How many people end up in bad relationships because they're just so desperate to, to be loved and to feel loved? We do these kind of things because it's written into our DNA. Jesus has made us as people who are meant to be gathered. We're meant to belong to a family. West Village Church has been established as a a group of people in order to create a family of people strength in numbers to serve the mission of Christ In the city. It's a core need for all of us. And there are tons of places throughout Scripture that Jesus talks about this, that the apostles talk about this, uh, that the prophets talk about this, and we could go on and on about how important it is to gather. But we're going to be in Ephesians 5, verses 18 to 21, uh, because this is the passage that was assigned to me. Verse 18, it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's take that first verse. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You know, I think the temptation for many of us these days is to numb ourselves from what's really going on around us with with drink or intoxicants of substances of different kinds um, because we don't really know how to process it. But the reality is it's a cheap exchange to try and trade off some substance for the very life of Jesus, the Holy Spirit filling us, indwelling us, the life of God at work within us. As one theologian says, the Christian knows a better way than by wine, of being lifted above the depression and the joyless monotony of life. I I think he was having a bit of a tough day when he wrote this, but It's true, though, life is like this at times. We know a better way than by wine of being lifted above the depression and the joyless monotony of life, a better way of removing self-consciousness and quickening thought and word and action than by the use of intoxicants. It is by being filled with the Holy Spirit. So as many of you know, drinking is not something that is forbidden in Scripture, um, Jesus himself was part of parties that he was invited to where drinking was around. The communion of Jesus, uh, is, is wine and bread, uh, that we partake in. Drinking is not really the issue. It's the, the excessive and, and the wasteful use of alcohol that is something God wants us to stay away from. Uh, I feel like it's something that has come into our culture more and more as the years have gone by when when I was a kid, anyway, alcohol seemed to be something that was hidden. It seemed to be something that parents were a little bit uh, in the shadows about. And these days it seems like it's hard to go to a party of any kind without uh, alcohol and sometimes copious amounts of alcohol being present. And I don't know who you, know who needs to hear this, but uh, Jesus' goal for us, his, his plan for us in still being here on earth, he has us here for a reason. If you, if you don't know that, he hasn't just taken us off to heaven. He's got us here for a purpose. But it, it's not to just be Hollywood socialites who are getting faded and, and wandering in and out of party after party. Choosing alcohol over the, the Holy Spirit, being filled by the Spirit of God is a cheap exchange for what he wants for us. For those of us who are Christians, who, who know what it's like, to have experienced the filling, the indwelling of, of the spirit of God. We know that it is something so beautiful that we would, we'd never want to trade it. There's a, there's an inherent laziness to choosing alcohol over being filled with the quickening of the Holy spirit, because it, it, it's, it's just grabbing a drink <laughs> for, for lack of a better word. It's just, it's drinking and consuming and, and expecting something to change us and make us behave differently. And being filled by the Holy Spirit is something I've learned a lot about over the years, because when I was a young Christian, I always thought being filled with the Holy Spirit was something that Jesus just did magically to you. Once in a while, uh, he would just wave his magic wand. Uh, He would fill us up with the Holy Spirit. There was nothing we could do about it. And uh, it was just an act that he performed for, for, for his glory as it is, but Nothing that we could do, no role that we we play in it. And and the the more that I've grown in the faith, the more I've read Scripture, I realize that we have a part to play in this relationship with Jesus. It's a dynamic relationship. A relationship is a two-way street. It's one that involves communication um, with us and the Lord. And although we can't coerce God to do anything, Although we don't try and perform some ritual or some great emotional beating of our chest to try and make God do something within us to be filled with the Spirit, it is a relationship. And so, as I was telling one of the hubs recently, sometimes I, I raise my hands in worship when I'm singing because God is, is worthy and He's beautiful and He deserves all the glory and the praise And I might not necessarily feel like it. Anyone who's been married long enough knows that infatuation is fleeting. We don't always feel the emotions of of love and affection towards our spouse, but sometimes we do things for one another because we love them and we want to get there. And we know that when we take a step, something happens. And does God want to bless people for choosing Him? Does God want to bless people? for waking up a little bit earlier in the morning to crack open the bible with a cup of coffee or or tea if you drink some inferior drink like that um and 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 to have a time of prayer with the lord yes he does he sees that he 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 loves that he loves that we want to pursue him and any of these ha- hasty uh half-baked shortcuts of of trying to feel something apart from the pursuit of of Jesus and his indwelling spirit, it's it's just second rate. It's just not, it's not the best that that God has for us. Verse 19 says this. It says, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Music is a, a beautiful thing. It moves us and, Great lyrics can, can stick to our souls like, honey, I think we all have memories of, of songs uh, that, that if we were to even hear a song, it would just take us back to a moment. And uh, how powerful is that when we as a group of people gather together to sing songs of, of hope, of, of Jesus, who is our great God, who's conquered the grave, how that moves us. Music stirs the soul. And, uh, I don't know who needs to hear this, but in that verse, I think, uh, some people might incorrectly, uh, take the text to mean that we should just walk up to people and start singing hymns and songs to each other. And, uh, again, I don't know who needs to hear this, but, uh, please don't do that. Please do not do that. Christians are weird enough. There's, there's a lot of weird things that we do. And, uh, boy, we don't need people seeing uh, us do that. At Starbucks, somebody's having a tough time saying, I just don't know if Jesus loves me. Um, Please don't, just don't start looking into their eyes and singing Jesus loves me, this I know. Uh, It seems like a great idea, but it's it's the words and the songs that we sing together that encourage us. It's bite-sized pieces of truth, theology that remind us in the middle of this this chaotic and distracting world that remind us of the hope that we have in Christ. Uh, Reading through this text reminded me of when I was a a young child, my dad every night at at my bedside, my my dad would read through the Lord's Prayer with me and he helped me to, to memorize it and to recite it with him. And eventually I started reciting it on my own by myself it became a habit and there was truth locked in within the prayer of jesus that he taught his disciples when they asked him how to pray and the more and more i prayed it over time i came to realize that within even this little prayer jesus shows us that all of our life is meant to be taken to the throne of god every portion of our life is not insignificant but is meant to be brought before God and and we're supposed to live through a filter a gospel grid uh, a, a grid that takes into account that everything we have comes from God and everything that we live should be lived out for Jesus and that is that is a beautiful thing that that truthful statements and the impact that they can have in our lives. Verse 20 says this, I keep putting my Bible down. It's gonna blow away. It says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always giving thanks. I don't have some great quote uh, to give you, to share with you about the importance of giving thanks. Maybe some of you have uh, gratitude posters sitting in your office. Uh, or or uh in your bedroom at home, it has like a you know uh, inspirational quote or something uh, you know like the courage ones with the lion 's head on it and the mane just like flowing magically in the in the breeze. Uh, maybe you have something like that. All I know is when I think of gratitude, I can think of people who have almost a glow about them, a warmth, a tenderness it It seems to be. Possessed by people who realize that life could be so much worse than it is. Their life is so much better than, than it could be. And how different is that for a Christian who, who knows that every gift is from, from God? How different is it for a Christian who knows that everything is wrapped up, tied with a bow on it. That Jesus has done everything that needs to be done for us in this life. that that what he did on the cross for us has enabled us to have newness of life now and freedom and peace for all of eternity. And we can say, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I'm, I'm gonna take this inconvenience differently. I'm gonna take this difficulty differently because I know what God has done for me. And, you know, it's true in a general sense. Matthew 5, Jesus says that God makes the the sun to shine on everyone, the rain to fall on everyone equally. But for the believer, we should should carry ourselves a little differently, I think. I'm not saying we all need to be happy, clappy, uh, happy-go-lucky people, always have a a silly smile on our face. I I think that can be foolish too. And and, uh, (laughs) we might be people who aren't taken seriously, but... In, in, the, in the core of our being, a gratitude for what God has done for us and helps us to know that we have been adopted into a family and we have been brought in and we can celebrate and we can live with people differently even though they annoy us at times because we're part of a big, beautiful family that Jesus has brought us into. Um, I don't know if any of you practice this habit, but I have a friend of mine who says, as far as gratitude, he tells me, always write it down. If God shows up in some big way and does something uh, big in your life that's an obvious miracle, some way that God revealed himself to write it down. Because if you don't, you're going to forget it. And you'll forget the details. And how encouraging is it when we can take these stories of things that, that Jesus has done in our lives and we can, we can share it with our friends. If we know it well, we can, we can show them our, our journals, our, our, our prayer journals, the, the testimonies, the miracles of what, what he's done in our lives. And, and we can say, hey, look, see, I'm, I'm not misconstruing this story. I, I wrote it down when it was fresh. And, and God gets the glory when we share it with other people. If we take a testimony of, of something God's done in our lives, It's not just meant to be for us. He calls us to be part of a larger group of people, to be part of a family so we can encourage one another, so we can build each other up in Christ, and so that we can give glory to God, that he is the only one who is worthy of receiving. And when we write our our testimonies down, we, we tend to not forget them. And so... Uh, Shout out to my friend for forcing me to do that for the amount of times that God has done something in my life. And I haven't forgotten because I wrote it down. Now to the most controversial part of this passage. If you like controversy, this is the one right here. Verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission is probably not what you're thinking that it is in your mind. If you haven't had time to think this one through, um, maybe you're new to the Christian faith, you you don't really know church, you don't have a background in the church or know the Bible very well, you might hear something like submit to one another as us being some sort of clique uh, with authoritarian rules that were meant to be like hypercritical helicopter parents to our friends watching out to see if anybody screws up, if anybody does something bad, we're going to call them out. We're going to light them up. And uh, this is obviously not what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He writes in another place that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We, we are called to be people who live freely and are not shackled to uh, one another like some sort of medieval torture game. Uh, to call each other out. But there there is something about submission that we can't miss. And that is that if you're my brother or my sister and we're part of the same family, I want you to thrive. I, I want you to make the most of your time on this earth. I want you to make the most of this one and only life that Jesus has given you to show people the love to Take every opportunity with in, in your job place in your in your family and your peer group to make the most of your opportunities. And we go wayward, we tend to stray. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded of how good God is to us. Of the fact that we are human, we're not perfect. We're gonna sin, we're gonna stray, but we don't want habits to develop. So if if I come up to you, or better yet, you come up to me and, and you're you're like, hey, I think. Matt, I think you're getting a little too crass with the way that you use your language. I think it might mar the testimony of Jesus and we don't want that. I need to have the courage to receive that. I need to have the courage to say, yeah, I'm living as a brother and and, and part of the family of Jesus. I'm living in a way that I'm ready to receive that because I need to grow. There's lots I need to learn. Um, I need to be exhorted and encouraged in Christ. And so I'm going to live my life ready to submit to you out of reverence for Christ. Is it, is it for no reason that it says specifically out of reverence for Christ? Why does it say that? This hit me so hard when I was preparing for this message. Why does it say submit to, to one another out of reverence for Christ? Because what has Jesus done? on our behalf. Jesus had perfect community. Uh, Jesus was gathered, Father, Son, and Spirit, and had perfect life and eternity in heaven. And he inconvenienced himself. Jesus was was born as an infant in a sin-saturated world. He grew up in a place where people rejected him and laughed at him and and spat at him held grudges against him ultimately he was he was killed for the sin of the world because he wanted to make a family because for for God's glory he wanted us to to be with him he didn't want to leave us in our sin but instead Jesus brought us brought us to the father through the cross at the greatest inconvenience to himself. And if Jesus can do that, then I can listen to my brother and my sister as they encourage me in Christ. If Jesus submitted to the will of the father, I could submit to my brother and my sister as they challenge me to move forward my relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know what your relationship has been uh, with church and with the family of God and His people, maybe it hasn't been good. Maybe it's been really bad. Maybe people haven't seen you as a as an image bearer of God, someone who uh, deserves uh, all dignity and value and worth in 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 God, and deserves to be uh, uh, receive friendship and be encouraged and to be blessed and to be long. <laughs> To the family. Maybe it hasn't been that way for you, but it's the way that it's meant to be. And for the the Suit community group who helped me move all of my stuff that one day, they they might have been uh it might have been perceived as a picture of the family of God, but to me and to my family, it was the family of God. It was it, it was loving us and receiving us as their own even if it was a bit of an inconvenience for them on that day. Gathering as a family of Jesus does not have to be rocket science. It's, it's honestly just not choosing to live self-centered lives that are only interested in getting ahead for ourselves, but desire to get together, to see Jesus made much of in the world around us because there's strength in numbers, there's strength in community, And Jesus said, when you gather in my name, two or more, I am with you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the word that you have given us, that you have blessed us with. That shows us that we are not just supposed to live alone and we don't have to be alone and, and Lord, would you challenge us as, as a people, West Village Church, to be a group of people who want to gather together as family, who see people who desire to belong and, and just bring them in and find a place for them and love them and welcome them warmly and are generous with them. Show us, Lord, how we can serve this mission and this purpose that you've called us to, that you were willing to die for, so that we could be a family. And and we look longingly forward as we make these small sacrifices and as we live generously, we look longingly to a time when you rescue us from this crazy, sinful world and you bring us to be with you forever in our heavenly home where there is no sin and there is the joy and the peace of having oneness with God. May we long for that. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.